What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend, a debrief, and an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of virtual conversation? I'm Caleb Pearson. Joining me again is my squad, Mark Francis. I'm coming to you first. How you doing, man? Hey, how are you? I I'm guess you, I don't, you don't have to come to me first. You know, there's know. no reason to to come my way. Well, there's a there's a there's a good. Zoom flowchart uh, based on the gallery view, and you're you're always the first to join. Okay. Send out the okay. Zoom invite. Part of me thinks you're you're so excited about Sermon Spotlight, you get up at like five a.m. and you're just waiting at your computer for the invite. Is you, that true? You know, I'm the morning person of the crowd here. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Yeah. No, so, but hey, I'm always excited to be here. That good, good. Never in doubt. Yeah, good to see you. And then once again, Miss Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Good, Thanks. good. New computer, new microphone. That's exciting. Yes, so hopefully that will help the quality of our transaction here. So, yes. <laughs> good, good. And then the man, the myth, once again, Marky Mark, Senior Pastor Mark Carey. Mark, how you doing, man? You know you're muted? Yeah. There he goes. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, I was like, I just wish I could mute all you guys, but good to see you, man. Um, how are we Isn't doing that? everybody? It's almost May. I said, do you mean that? Oh, well, is that just a greeting? Day. Is that just a mindless? Uh, it's how mindless. You? Yeah. It's mindless. I have, I have a couple I, I, I roll through, <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you for being here. Um, guys, it's almost May. How are we feeling about spring, about quarantine? Is it going by quickly? We were talking before we uh, press record here about how so after this whole spring break that all these students experienced, it feels like the weather declined so bad. Um, Alicia, are your kids getting out? I know it's kind of been rainy and gross lately. Yeah, this week has kind of been dreary and cold, which uh, hasn't been super great. Um, I honestly feel like Groundhog Day, you know, the movie with yeah. Bill Murray. Um, that's kind of where I'm feeling right now. <laughs> and, um, and just, I'm missing normal life. Um, but we're hanging in there and just like everybody else is. So there's always reason to give thanks. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Brighter days ahead. <laughs> right. Mark Francis, how's the family doing? Doing great. You yeah. know, we got them doing their, their schoolwork. They feel like they're regular homeschooler kids now, you know, yeah. never, never had homeschool experience, but now we can chalk that up and we've done it. So now you do, they're, they're getting it done. And awesome. uh, overall family's great. Just uh, this is our new normal. So yeah. we're, yeah. we're rolling with it. It's yeah. good. And so Tyson's graduating, going to college next year, right? He is actually began a course. Oh, because, wow. Because, okay. uh, you know, so he's going to Shenandoah university. Yes. The local school. And yeah. so that is a place that, A, it wasn't topped on his list, but we're realizing that is where God's plan is. And mm -hmm. he, they're actually offering classes now, knowing that we're in this kind of uh, pandemic and things are shut down for rising, rising freshmen, yeah. incoming students. They're offering a few different select courses that he's taking one of them now to kind of help propel him Interesting. Um, into his college life. So okay. he's doing online stuff and it's great and he's Good. playing music and enjoying life. So Good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Silas is planning to head to JMU in the fall. And from what I understand, you know, universities are still pushing like normal, I think, doing what they can as far as, you know, over the summer and into the fall and looking forward, you start to realize how far out stuff needs to be planned. And oh, there's, yeah. so, there's such an unknown about, you know, when, when are we going to be back? So many people are asking me that now. 
I think at the beginning of all this, it was, man, how long do you think the pandemic is going to last? People are so done talking about the stupid pandemic. Now the questions have shifted. When are we going to get back to church? You know, I, I, yep. I get so many questions a week. Caleb, when do you think we'll be back in large groups? What do you think the number cutoff is going to be? And, you know, obviously I'm like, I got no clue. You want me to throw out another theory of the 300 you hear? But it'll be interesting to see. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, the conversations are happening. You know, I mean, Mark can speak to this as well a little bit, but we've we've had some interesting dialogue amongst at least the worship team. And I know Mark and the elders have as well, just kind of creating a game plan. John Van Drunen being our executive pastor is spearheading the whole thing, doing a great job of just trying to be proactive and lay out all the different options. And and we definitely want to celebrate when we do get back together, but it might not look like just all one big mass at the same time. Right. You know, so. How can we roll it out in phases and, and how can we communicate to FBC, the church body? What does that look like? Well, we don't know what it looks like yet. So hmm. therefore, it's tough to yeah. tough to share what it looks like, but we definitely are making plans of how to do it when the time is right. So yeah, it's really good. Pastor Mark, we're coming up on the, or I guess we're in the 40th year of the church. Uh, and I know, you know, we were wanting to celebrate that and I'm sure we will at some point, but what, what has that felt like from, from your perspective? And even as Mark touched on there, just the, the conversations with the elders and the pastors, you know, I mean, what, what encouragement have you seen or what conversations have you had that kind of point towards, towards the future and towards the next couple months? Well, I, I think Mark said it, said it right. It's hard to know what, what it's going to look like and, and how, I mean, we're trying to find a balance between that um, adhering to um, the right. certain standards that uh, that might be set upon us, but at the same time realizing we are we are a faith community and um, mm-hmm. that there's certain things that um, you know we don't we don't have to do. Uh, uh, but you know, you want to be right. you want to be wise and and all of that. But um, you know, the the good thing is that we're able to, we are still able to meet, to gather. It's online. I realize that, but, uh, you know, for the most part, we're seeing people um, uh, participate in the online. Um, so, you know, thanks to everyone who, who is doing that. Um, our, uh, you know, praise the Lord that the, the giving continues to be there and, and people are using the online giving and, and, um, there is communications being done. Maybe it's by phone and, and doing this kind of zooming thing. Certainly not the best and it's not optimal, but um, we're, we're continuing uh, doing church as best we can and, and ministering to people. Um, uh, but it's not the gathering. It's not the body life. Uh, it's not um, being able to connect and, and really do the work of the ministry like it's designed like god wants us to um you know it's there's certain things that are assumed in the scriptures about doing church and it's it's in community it's it's connecting it's the one another's um and i think some of the things that we are thinking about and praying about the elders meet every week and and these are some of the things we talk about is um are there some things that maybe should look different once we fully engage again? Um, you know, there, there's always a certain amount of organizational dry rot that sets in over time. Um, 
And, uh, you know, the, you know what, what does the Lord want us to do uh, differently? Um, how, how can we maintain our core values and our overall mission of preparing and deploying dependent disciples who change their world for Christ as we're being changed by him? How do we maintain that disciple-making emphasis um, but 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 maybe the forms of it may need to be tweaked and and and, and, and adjusted a little bit. Um, I do th think, and I think you've mentioned it already. One of the things that we're really missing and really are seeing the value of is that personal connectedness. Um, small groups are crucial, and community groups. Small groups are under fifty people, and. Uh, I, I, my, the one thing just to, to throw out there for whoever's listening and in a community group, um, typically uh, FBC in a summer community groups take a, take a back seat. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we had a whole year and then, you know, June, July, and August, there's usually a downtime. Uh, oftentimes community groups might be once a month or something like that. Man, I, I want to encourage you as community groups, perish the thought. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if if it, let's ramp it up this summer. Um, if we're given the, the the go ahead to be meeting, say in groups of fifty, or you know, whatever whatever it comes mm -hmm. to, I tell you what, that first week, just community group leaders and community groups be planning now. What are you going to do once we get the green light? And um, we, we need to. I think ramp it up this summer, uh, the, the gatherings, the one another's in the face-to-face -face and, the, and the gathering times of our community groups. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you're not in a community group, um, hey, call the church. Let, we'll get you plugged into one. You know, one thing about community groups too right now, you, you, we're not bound by space, right? You can, you're, if you want 50 people in your community group, you can have them right now on a Zoom screen. Right. That's true. Uh, because yeah. you know, so hey, invite you know Mark Francis group. If you're in a small group with Mark Francis, uh, we'll pray for you. Yeah, invite yeah. invite everybody you can <laughs> to Francis's group. But I, again, the point is, I think right. um, we need to re-engage, and certainly community groups are going to be big at, mm. at, at, at that re-engagement. That's really good. And I, I like what you said at the end there, Mark, like no host or, or household can say, oh, I, I don't have what it takes to host people anymore, at least for now, because of the Zoom. I mean, we're encouraging our students. You can invite friends to small group now very easily. And I guarantee you they'll see that invite because they're sitting at home on their screen as well. Uh, this can be part of, of some of that entertainment or that media that they're consuming. They can be like, oh, people are hanging out in this Zoom chat. What in the world is that about? And then before you know it, you're tricking them into Jesus to a, to a certain degree. They're like, wow, they're in small group. Uh, so really cool idea. Um, yeah, we, and so there's, what do we do amidst this time? How do we adapt? There, there, there's scripture we can turn to. There, there's a peace and hope we have in, in Christ. And so Pastor Mark, you in Romans 5 again this week. So let's jump into a Sunday in review. Uh, Alicia, I'll come your way first. I mean, what, what are some things that stood out to you um, as we kind of look back on, on this weekend's sermon? Well, once again, it's uh, packed full of good stuff. Um, I think that <clears throat> Paul, he's beginning to unpack the Christian life of knowing Jesus in terms of our daily life now. Um, we're kind of transitioning. We've 
we've been say you know we're justified we're being sanctified we're set free from sin we have joy and peace with god and we can rejoice in that and so this passage here addresses suffering and trusting christ involves suffering um and that the romans 5 specifically 3 4 and 5 helps us to see how this gospel faith affects our daily living and God's love through the Holy Spirit. So, um, Mark, you did a good job unpacking that. Pretty good. Great. Yeah. A lot, a lot in there um, to unpack. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mark Francis, anything, anything stand out to you? Yeah. It, for me, I, I really viewed it in two different parts. And I don't know if Mark intended it for that, but, you know, the way the passage is laid out, looking at verses three through um, eight, there's the aspect of suffering and the aspect of tribulation or trials. And then there's the aspect of God's love. And so more of my kind of questions or applications kind of came out from the first half of the the trials and the the things that go on in people's lives. And, you know, we do have a community group. And so Alicia and I talk and we meet on Monday nights. And it was really interesting to hear from our group when I posed kind of what are those trials or what are those difficult times look like? And and, and how, how do we kind of find that hope? And, and somebody shared specifically, you know, I'm in the middle of something right now. And it, she was like, it, it's minimal, but you know, my husband's away. He's, he was working with, you know, things in the virus in, in New York and new baby and, and just, it's just tough, you know? And so how do you get through these times? And then somebody else is sharing, well, there's some ongoing family stuff that's happening and, you know, that it was in the past, but it's in the future and it's kind of, it's here now, you know, I'm just wrestling with that. And then somebody else shared, you know, a story that was encouraging of how they had a family situation and they overcame it. It was through God's work, but how did they come out with that? And so hearing specific stories from people in our community group, find God in those moments, find ways to exalt in our tribulations. And it was, it was encouraging because I think what we can find is that, you know, in the midst of problems, in the midst of trials or difficult times or out of a job or bad health or whatever, you can't always see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. But hearing stories and being connected in a group like we were, where we were being able to encourage each other and, and know that God is faithful and know that he does have a plan and that we can find hope, we do have the ability then to rejoice in that. Somebody else in our group pointed out, well, you can't always, and, and he, has, <laughs> he has stories of his own of just difficult health things in his family. He pointed out, you can't always just be happy and rejoice in the difficult times. That's, that's, you know, but God is finding, he's showing us to find that joy and that peace that we have ultimately through where God's plan is that now is, this is not our home. So I, I was encouraged by just hearing stories of other people um, in our group share kind of the applications to this passage. And, uh, and, and so it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Mark, being in a community can kind of help pull that all together and help summarize really what the scripture is saying, but make it real and have it come home. That's good. 
Pastor Mark, we did basically just the first two verses a couple a couple sermons ago in Romans five. So this past week, it seemed like a little bit bigger of a bite, more more to chew from the scripture. Was there anything in your sermon planning or, or anything from the scripture that you feel like would be worth elaborating on this morning? Um, or you know, what's what's the take home there in the middle of the scripture? I mean, one thing I just love is the way it, it says because we know. Uh, and then it leads to the the flow of those things in three, four, and five, suffering and perseverance and all that stuff. And you spoke to that, Mark, of the knowledge, the knowledge of God. Is that the... Is yeah, that well, the there's, there's, there's a string of things that he runs together in, in the verses. So it's a package. Yeah. Uh, his, I think he does shock us by saying, and we can re- result or exalt or we rejoice in our tribulations, which is a head scratcher, like, mm-hmm. uh, and... and um, as you'd mentioned in your community group, and I, I heard comments um, as well, and, and receiving emails, it's like, you know, that that's a tough one, uh, rejoicing in tribulations. Right. Um, but again, we go back to this basic principle that what a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, and the, the idea is, you know, the most important thing about us is what we, at any given moment of life, is thinking to be true. What, what, what are we thinking is true? That defines us. Um, our actions, how we live our life, is connected to how we, th- what we're thinking is true. Because what a man thinketh, so is he. And, and, and that's why Paul makes this shocking statement, uh, let's rejoice in a tribulation. But the very next word is knowing and it's this, um, the, it, the word that is used there, it's, it's more of an intuitive knowledge. What, what, what do we know about God? What, do we, what should we be knowing uh, true about God and how he deals with his, his children? Knowing this. And so, again, I mentioned um, uh, we, it starts with understanding uh, uh, this knowledge. And then it's got to move to, do we believe this? And once we say, yes, this is true, and we believe it, now we can begin to experience. And we got to move from knowing this to the experience of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, just to, just to throw out a word or a phrase, rejoice in tribulation, is like nails on a chalkboard, you know, that, mm. depending on, right. on the severity of your tribulation, of your right. trial. And I, and I mentioned all, First Peter does that, and, and James talks about, all the scriptures talk about this but it's what we know. And then there's this progression, this flow. Well, what are we to know? Well, we're, we're to know that there is purpose. There is a divine design. God is not throwing us out there uh, and, and to, to, the, to the, the pain of tribulations while he's up in heaven, you know, uh, twiddling his thumbs. There's a divine design. This, what I'm going through, is going to produce in me endurance as the tribulation and the word philipsis, it, it presses in on us. It'll produce a, an endurance. We'll be able to bear up under it. And when that begins to happen, we begin to see a, a life change. Um, it is a, um, it, 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 it is it producing character, proven character, a dokame is the word. And so there is, um, there's transformation that takes place. And, um, and then as we begin to see that transformation take place in our life, we gain hope. Our hope it grows and expands and enlarges. It's like, man, God, you are doing something. When we begin to see God show up 
in the midst of these things. And he shows up through life transformation, how we are responding this thing. It's, it's the presence of God. And all of a sudden, God, I'm not left alone. It doesn't mean that we are giddy and happy. Oh, my, my problems, you know. No, it's very painful. We're weeping. There, there, there's stuff that people in our church are going through. It, is, it does not put a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it makes you weep when you see what people are going through. But it gives us hope because God is involved. And then the final piece of that whole thing as it kind of crescendos is this causal statement in verse five. Hope does not disappoint. It's not, we're not going to end up in shame over all that we're going through. We're not going to be left standing um, ashamed that I trusted God and he never showed up. What a fool I was. Um, Hope doesn't disappoint because, and there's the causal statement, because we're loved by God. The love of God has been poured out of our hearts. So it gets us to a point where we can see, I am am loved by God. And that takes us back to the gospel, which it goes to in in verses 6, 7, and 8. God In verse 8, God demonstrates his love constantly over and over to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. The present experience of God's demonstration of his love is rooted back in historical fact. Christ died for us. So we rehearse the gospel again. We get anchored in truth. Um, that's how we go through life. And if we don't have that, tribulations will sink us. We will get mad at God, angry at God. All of life, it embitters us. And um, it'll, they'll never accomplish what they've been designed to accomplish. Once we see the divine design and that it's God's love that's making all this possible. That's when we come to a place that we can rejoice, even in tribulations, because we know we're loved by God. So that's- And I love, I mean, that key word of knowing, I mean, it's just one word there in the, in the passage, but it's so key. I mean, I know I've read this passage dozens of times, and then, but how the emphasis comes back to our knowledge of God and knowledge of who he is and being rooted and grounded in that then allows for the perseverance and the hope and, and and recognizing his love. And if you don't have the understanding of who God is, then you're not grounded. You're not rooted. And when the tough times come, you're, you're crashing and burning because you're not recognizing and seeing God in the moment. Yeah. Yeah of knowledge and then also the belief. And I, and I think the world wants to attack both of those things. It wants to attack our awareness and understanding of who God is. And then it also wants to warp and distort what our dynamic with God is supposed to be. Uh, I saw a, a, a video of uh, some speaker, I forget his name, but he basically said, nowadays for every one thing you hear from the media, you ought to hear 10 things from the Lord. And his hmm. whole call was to get into the word more than you get into the news. Hmm. Um, because the narrative is going to change or it's going to, the hopelessness, the fear. I mean, I think that's something our culture was already experiencing uh, was, you know, we're doomed, we're doomed, we're, we're in charge of the destiny of everything that's going on and we're failing. Um, what you're seeing there is the depravity of man. And, and, and if it's controlling you, there is no hope and it's leading you away from a knowledge and a belief in Christ. And so it was interesting to hear that, uh, especially given the time we're in now, uh, it just speaks to yeah the importance of, 
what Mark has always said, there's no such thing as a defeated Christian. There's just ignorant ones who don't know who they fully are in Christ. We've got to understand that, that these were the good news. It's a book of good news, not a book of condemnation. And let me put up a, a verse on the screen here from, yeah. you see that second Timothy two fifteen. Yep. Yeah. You know, be diligent to present yourself. This is the old Awana verse, a key verse. If you were ever in, in Awana approved workmen are not ashamed. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Interestingly, here are two of the words uh, that are used in this passage um, or forms of them. Be diligent, Paul is saying, to present yourself approved. That's that uh, um, docume, uh, that, that proven character, having been tested and found to re result in approval. Um, present yourself approved unto God. How? As a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Well, how, how does that happen? Rightly handling, rightly dividing, you know, accurately handling the word of truth. What a man thinketh in his heart, what, what you think is true. And if our truth is not being shaped and formed by the word of God, uh, we're not going to stand approved. We're not going to understand the, the purpose of trials and, and suffering in our life. We're going to uh, be ashamed of it all. Um, and I think there's another verse I've got here is 1 Corinthians 9, 27, where the word is used also. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I discipline my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be unapproved or disproved, or and the word here in this translation, disqualified. Um, there is um, there, there is this sense of, uh, of being tested, and found to be approved. We are, we are in the crucible of life. And it's not about going through life as happy as I can be, as pain-free as I can be, um, you know, as, as uh, uh, valued as I can be, as, as whatever, as I, I, I can amass as much, uh, money as I can, I can't, you know, it's, it's, it's standing before God as an approved workman who needs not be ashamed. And we need to get to the word and orient our life according to God's word and allow him to shape us and, and transform us. And, but again, I think it starts with understanding I am loved by God. Our worldview has to be informed by the gospel that God so loved me that he sent his son to die for me. And Paul will go, and I mentioned this in the message, he'll come back, he's going to grow into this theme, but he's going to come back to it in chapter 8, in this section of 5 through 8. He's going to come back to it, and he'll say at the end of chapter 8, um, who is going to separate us from the love of God? Uh, if, if, if God has given all of this to us, how will he not, with Christ, give us freely all things? To enjoy. Who's going to separate us from the love of God? So we have to orient our life to that truth, believe it, and once we do, we will grow in the experience of it so that we can say, God, no matter what comes, I, you love me, and your love will never take me. Where your grace is not going to keep me, and where your power is not going to transform me, I mean, it's right. ultimately not about this life. 
It is about the life to come. Our, our life for eternity, the, the, right now, our life is a speck of sand in the ocean of eternity. But how we live this life now is going to determine how we're going to live it in all of eternity. Yep. And um, so it's incumbent upon us to, to uh, understand all of life and the trials and tribulations of life through this grid of the love of God and the gospel. Well, and you know, I, as, hey, as, as the church, we are the bride of Christ, and he's using the sufferings of this life now to, to prepare us. He's, he's making us beautiful as his bride, and there will be, you know, there's a marriage that's going to be happening, and a marriage feast, and um, it's all going to be centered on the Lamb of God. And so there's a, a much bigger picture to our sufferings right now, but God's not wasting that. He's actually using it for our good and for his glory. And he's preparing us uh, that future glory of being united with him as his bride. Yeah, that, that, absolutely true. Constantly being chiseled and shaped into his likeness in, in order to, to grow us to be with him for all time for all eternity and in, in, in glory it's great and that's the encouragement there to rejoice in suffering is to give the suffering a purpose beyond your own despair uh, and, and to have that perspective is to realize awesome you know uh, uh, for years I, I got so sick of my mom saying you know god will turn this for your good i'm like what what are you smoking there's no way that's gonna happen but it's true and it's to have that perspective and to have that understanding oh it just and here you are here, here you are with us. I mean, what? How can you define good more than that right now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rock bottom. She couldn't have been she wronger. Yeah. She yeah. spoke truth. <laughs> no, I, I think the other thing that we need to understand, though, is that this is not necessarily guaranteed. And this is why Paul is writing this. Mm. Um, we can actually go through life and end our life embittered. Um, mm. uh, and, and it's a sad, it can be a sad reality. Um, again, Paul is in a section of Romans that's called sanctification, how to, how to live out in holiness, how to, how to live out in our daily experience, what we really are in our position. But if we don't know this and believe it, mm. we'll never experience it. And I, I think that's, that's, as a pastor, just as a, as a Christian, um, I think that's one of the greatest concerns in my life is at, at, at what level, when God says, I, I'm going to give you a 10, I'm going to give you life and give it to you in abundance to really define what life is all about. And, and I, and I settle for a five or I let, I let something happen mm. that, that gets me embittered against God that, that, um, or, or this didn't come my way as I thought I would. And, you know, we just miss out uh, so much. And that's where, again, he's going to go. He's going to tell us what real life, what God has designed for us. And, um, um, the, the, I can't remember if in the sermon you read Ephesians three, or if I just, found it in my studies. But anyway, Paul's prayer um, is something that I think that we all can get a hold of and read 
implanted in our hearts that uh, this is three starting at 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, which is what we're talking about, may have strength to comprehend, to know with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be the glory in the church. I mean, he's, he is using the sufferings of this life in ways that we can't even imagine and being rooted and grounded in him is so important. And I think about that, um, the analogy that you used about being our muscles, you know, when we're, when we're lifting weights, and are we're putting in the work it's hard work to dig in and you know dig these truths out from the bible of knowing god and there's there's hard work in the weightlifting. there's sweat there's pain sometimes you just don't even want to do it but there is such a re great reward with that consistency that endurance of having strength in your muscles and you can flex and see the results you know and then when those times when you're feeling, you know, that weight, you do have the strength to bear up. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Mark, how'd you get this picture of me? <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. So, um, yeah, so it just, you know, it's not, it's not easy, but God equips us and uh, he has, he has, uh, it's, you know, it, he has plans that are more abundant that we could ever ask or think or dream about. And and from that, to me, the overall implied idea is the sovereignty of God, is that he is the one who is in charge of all things. And as soon as we think that we are in control, as soon as we try to take charge, that's when we're falling. You know, and, and Mark, you kind of implied this a little bit earlier on in, in the beginning of the sermon that certain trials and things and issues that come up in our lives are kind of self-induced. But this passage isn't speaking to that. It's speaking to just the things that are naturally coming about for God to shape things, to point us towards him. Yeah. And, you know, just a, a, a story. Um, it's funny, Caleb, that you mentioned my oldest son, Tyson, because when he was one and a half, he was really deathly sick. We didn't know what was happening. We had to send him to UVA hospital. And there was this complete, you know, what is going to happen? It was this exploratory surgeon. We had no idea if he was going to live or die through the night. And just the knowledge of who God was and that he was in control was the thing that allowed Eric and I to kind of get through that night, to get through and recognize, okay, this is not our own. I remember praying for him and then just being like, okay, where hands are off, it's out of our control. And we actually slept. Like we, had, we got a couple hours sleep in the hospital waiting room. The doctors came out and explained to us that things were fine. But that, that idea of in the midst of a difficult time in a situation where, okay, life and death situation, knowing that God is in control, we're not, was kind of the thing that was allowing us to get through that and putting our hope and trust in him ultimately was, was what God wanted us for in that situation. Yeah. And, and that, that to me speaks to when, they, when people try to take it upon themselves or they try to take back their control, um, it's, not, it's not what God's will is for them because 
he ultimately wants to have our trust in him. Well, it's so awesome to hear you share a story like that now, where if you were to, you know, be in that situation with your wife and say, what are the odds one day, you know, I'll just be on a podcast and just nonchalantly bring up this story. Yeah, there was a time where, you know, it speaks to that idea of, oh, you know, people always say time is the best medicine. And it begs the question, well, why would people say that? It's because God is the best medicine and we can't get in the way of what he's doing. Uh, You know, we look back on that perspective and we look back on say, wow, that was a struggle. You know, now I see how the Holy Spirit was working through that. Now I see. And that entire, that entire summer was a struggle too, following right. up with oh, the I'm surgery. Sure. And, I'm sure. And, and Mark, that was actually the same time that you had your health issues mm-hmm. going on. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I didn't know if there was anything that you could speak to of, of where, where you were 17, 18 well, years ago in that. Yeah, I was going to say, I've also sat with a person, with a couple whose, um, whose little child they lost. And they're sitting in a hospital room holding a little baby who's no longer now there with them. Mm. And they're, they're, they're rocking that baby and, and, and he's gone, yeah. you know, a little two-year-old and, and they're in and the little baby's in heaven now. Um, how, how does that couple, how does a person get through that? Well, they got through it because they didn't minimize the pain. They didn't, uh, you know, um, excuse it or, or whatever they embraced it i mean there was weeping and it was uh you know it was life-changing that a couple is never the same the rest of their life but they got through it because they knew they were loved by god and yep. that god was sovereign that he's in control but but they had an experience of his love and i think i i want it to go from here down to here in, in my life right. and uh yeah you know i i can remember uh, um, uh, not, I won't mention my health experience, uh, but another time I, when I was in India and, uh, it was my first trip uh, overseas and in India. And, um, I was up in the Northern part of, of India near the Nepal, well, near the Nepal border, the, the Hinduism, the, 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 not only the Hinduism, but also, um, uh, the, the, um, the Muslim calls to prayer. It was all, it was just this weird confluence of, of, of of um demonism Mm. and it was like i woke up it was three in the morning i heard this these calls and this singing and this all the stuff going on it it was almost like a panic attack i mean it it was just it it was very um very palpable very real and um and then um i did one of these um uh kind of open the bible type of things, just kind of, I just grabbed my Bible, opened it up, and boom, there it was, Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, because of your loving kindness and your truth. And then he goes on and say, why should the nation say, where now is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of man's hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes that cannot see so on and so forth. But, you know, our God is in the heavens. And God just gave that, um, that, that there was truth that came into my mind and the love of God that penetrated my heart. And man, I went to sleep and there was peace. And it it was just a, a totally different experience after that. God broke through into the, the, the turbulence and the darkness of the time and said, here is truth, and it's based on I love you, my loving kindness. 
um, it, it makes all the difference in the world. This is talking about a, a vital relationship, a fellowship with a living, holy God. And it, as a believer, if you're listening to this, if you don't have that, and I'm talking to as a believer of Jesus Christ, um, this is where we need to help you. This is where the body of life, Christ has to come in um, to, to, to take, uh, to make God much more than just a word. And if you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, then I'm telling you, you, you don't have any hope. You, you have no hope for, for stability and joy and ultimate meaning of life because it's centered around a God who so loved you, he gave his son to die for you. And um, th this is where we orient our life. Uh, the Christian life works. It works because there's a God who loves us and he's a God of truth. And um, every day we're called upon to put our faith in him and to walk by faith and not by sight and to experience God in all his fullness as Alicia mentioned in that verse. So that, you know, we know that we comprehend the height, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of God. And then he says, so that will be filled up to the fullness of him. That's a causal statement. So, and is it possible? Not to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Of course it is. So anyway. That's awesome. You're, you're I'm rambling. Of know it, believe it, and experience it. They... I, I think that that is a nice package for this whole application part because they, we've, you, you need to know and you can't believe what you don't know and you can't experience what you don't believe. That's um, so it's an, an, it's vital. Yep. It's an every day. This is what every day a Christian is called to do. So let's get into the word. Let's, believe it let's walk by faith and as we do i'll tell you what we're we get transformed more and more and it becomes our experience and you know we'll look back and say my goodness i'm i i am growing i mean i'm there i am different than i was uh, uh a year ago or two years ago and it is a progressive growth that that's what it should be um it's awesome. by god's grace Absolutely. Well, thank you three so much for being on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight. Again, you can find more information over at fbcva.life uh, to learn how to get plugged into our Winchester community and just find more resources on, on the knowledge and belief and experience of our Lord Jesus. So thank you guys so much. Uh, the fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.